In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. I'm Nathan. And for this season of Verhoeven Effect, we are watching network television because me and Nathan generally don't watch network television. We are covering police procedurals uh, that include 2014's NCS New Orleans. <laughs> I forget. It's around there. 2008's The Mentalist uh, and 1984's Miami Vice. Uh, as always, we start with NCS New Orleans. We have Season 1, Episode 19, The Insider. Original air date, April 7th, 2015, CBS Tuesday. Yep. Uh, while conducting an autopsy on a petty officer who was believed to have died from natural causes, an armed man enters the morgue and holds Wade, Sebastian, and Danny hostage. Showrunner Gary Glasberg, written by David Applebaum and Scott Shapiro. It's the ampersand, ampersand there, which means they wrote it together. <laughs> As friends. <laughs> uh, if it's just a and d that means they wrote it at separate times and they didn't c- collaborate on it oh okay uh, i guess something in the wga rules if it's an ampersand it's like technically it's not two people writing it it's like that's considered one person as a writing team that's a writing entity yeah yeah okay <laughs> uh directed by james whitmore jr this is a particularly dark episode <laughs> for ncis new orleans this was a weird episode it's i'm not sure if i hated it but i didn't necessarily like it (laughs) those worst episodes it's just this is uh this one's pretty just like weird yeah it's Um, very bleak and and like what you find out what it is is like oh how many people have died is you know (laughs) a result of this and where does some of this stuff fit in I mean, it does at the end of it, it does like conclude that the government is suspicious except for Pride and his team. Yeah. <laughs> They're the only people that are reasonable. Again, we're, we're, we approach, as always with Insight, NCIS, so like we come near the outer darkness, but we don't really touch it. We, and it's, it's like, but we're not t- affected by it. Yeah, it's the parabola of darkness. It gets so close to it, but it never touches it. Our plucky NCIS investigators always do the right things for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. Even when they're carrying their revenge gun. <laughs> uh, we start off in airport security with suspicious people. Uh, yes. The one guy who's acting suspicious and sweating uh, gets pulled over for a random bag check. And then he flashes his military ID and he's like, well, continue on. And then he just dies. Yeah. Just drops <laughs> just over dead. Right and you're thinking like drug, drug stuff or something. Yes. Because it's like, oh, uh, this guy was like sweating bullets just walking through the airport. Uh, which it, it ends up, in this case, it's not drugs, but like in general, it's vaguely related to drugs. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, uh, it comes or at least into it's, it. Or at least that's a misdirect is drugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the body is Felix Armstrong. Uh, he's uh, in the Navy, so that's why they get called on. 
Uh, we have Danny is back as a coroner's assistant for Ray, for Wade. Yep. Uh, he's he's really wanting to like get to work on a dead body. <laughs> um, Bring on them corpses! I'm just I'm just getting you coffee. This isn't fair. I want to get my hands in the guts of a deceased body. It's like okay, everyone's got to have their thing, I guess. Uh, now Wade and Danny did walk into the crime scene, but when we cut back, like Wade is sitting on our crime case again, so it's like it's the crime like, case is back. Return. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote in question marks drug smuggling because I assume that's one of those things where it's like a drug mule and the drug exploded on the person, and then they had just some massive, yeah, uh, drug reaction. Um, and this, I can't. I missed the whole thing. What what he died of? Like he had a heart uh, condition. It was like a heart. Okay, because they found like some medicine in there, and then and then they said he was okay. Yeah, yeah, or they uh, that, they said they said that's or what he just what he forgot to take his medicine or what was it that or because eventually they said it was just the stress that killed him. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. Is regard medicine or not, he was really stressed out, you know, and probably not. I don't know if it had to do with swallowing the thumb drive, which is totally unnecessary because thumb drives are so small you can just hide them anywhere like you can hide them in a rubik's cube like edward snowden did you know or whatever um, but for some reason he decided well, I mean, to here, swallow well, it or... it's, you know, it's 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 check off or no not checkoffs it's well, hey i was gonna say Chekhov's condom but that's not real. it's uh it's the MacGuffin condom yeah it's like anything could be in the condom inside the guy's belly yeah so i guess he had a heart attack from the stress of smuggling the information out and having to keister the or however he can swallow whatever he did the um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You you can't be in the military if you have a heart condition like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of was thinking that myself, but it's like, oh, maybe he, you know, if you're already in, maybe I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how the military yeah, I works. Mean, uh, I mean, sometimes they make exemptions for that. I mean, there's stuff where, like, you know, obviously there's guys that like have had their legs and stuff blown off, and they to continue to serve, and like they have to get a bunch of. Um, uh, waivers for stuff like that yeah you're not doing the jumping out of aircraft work anymore at that point but yeah you're still actively serving your country in some way yeah yeah um you just maintain general fitness and you can do paperwork because there's plenty of paperwork doing the military yeah <laughs> uh anyways i don't know but uh okay so that was the reason so i kind of just missed that uh yeah then we got yeah we go back to the uh coroner's office Wade is about to open the guy up, and the guy who we saw at the airport that he was kind of staring at is like, "Come on, just get past security. We got to get this done." Uh, he shows up, and he put, he points a gun at him, and it becomes a hostage situation with Wade, Sebastian, and Danny. Yeah, Wade is like kind of being clever about like we need to fill out a paper report, and he's like, "No, just give me the body. Let's get out." And she's like, "No, there's armed guards, and like you need this paperwork to get out with the body." It's like, okay, that's clever. Because uh, he's like, ah, oh, it's just a stalling technique. And it's like, yes, but also she's correct. But also, it's like, how did he get into the building in the first place past the armed guard? That's what I was wondering about these vaunted security people. This guy just strolls in with a handgun. It's like, oh, okay. But whatever. It's it's yeah. It's the logical know, illogicality the, I mean, of it all. I don't. Know, from the rest of the series, we know how lackadaisical the security at the coroner's office is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the suspects co- just show up randomly. Yeah, the coroner's office seems to be like a gathering place for criminals. <laughs> 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 uh, not just a 
a temple of the dead, but yeah, you know, it's where all the suspects and the people that did the murders just <laughs> randomly show up. But you know, it's it's. I'm learning again. I've learned a lesson about serial TV dramas like this. It's like, oh, you, sometimes things just have to happen because these are the this is the this is the story we want to tell, and we'll just make it fit. Yeah, the tempers rise. Then we have Danny and the guard get shot. The guard just kind of takes a shoulder shot. Danny takes a lung shot. Yeah. And then Brody and LaSalle are sent out to figure out like who the gunman is because they have like a lead on him uh, slightly. Which they end up like raiding just some like weird Russian drug den with like an operating table downstairs with a with a with a lady in a freezer, which I believe is the second time, maybe third time there's been a lady a body in a freezer on this show. Um I, I might it might be the second because I remember one time we had an uh, we had an episode of this show where on two separate shows there are bodies in freezers. Yeah. So. It's it's come up a few times. This guy is like, is people being drug mules, he gets the drugs out of the people, but like, was she a corpse before or she like died because of a rupture and he just got the drugs out anyways? I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah, my understanding is you usually swallow those and they, they give you a giant meal and you just poop the heroin out and then in the, <laughs> and that's the normal procedure. But I guess if you die because they burst open, it's like, well, we got to get that heroin out of her. So let's yeah. get our on-call Russian physician to perform a, you know, basically a, a complete removal of your your digestive system to get this heroin out because or whatever they're smuggling you know i don't well that was kind of a cool gunfight where the guy's like taking cover behind a piano <laughs> yeah and just emptying the magazine at lasalle and brody just yeah. um, but also like when he's taking fire like the piano makes different sounds as the bullets are like ricochet up different parts of the piano it's like that's ah, fun yeah <laughs> for some reason brody learned russian for like half a second from Rosetta Stone. Uh, Rosetta Stone, <laughs> which I don't know if that's like a, a planted advertisement again. Oh, yeah, it <laughs> or is. Or just something, <laughs> just yeah. something they worked in. That's there. way too specific because she should have said, oh, academy training. I had to take a Russian credit. You know, she should have said anything, but she had to specifically name a product. Yeah. But it also like limited the product because LaSalle was like, ask him this. And he's like, that's really, sp I only know general stuff from Rosetta Stone. Like, I don't know <laughs> like the entire Russian language. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of funny because, of course, the Russian doctor was this complete lunatic who just shot at two cops and could have killed him, had a gunfight with police, and then just throws the gun down and takes off running from him. Yeah, gives up and then runs away. <laughs> and then tries to fight with him and then says, well, I'm in America, so I don't have to talk to police because you're stupid. But he's saying this in Russian. It's subtitled. And yeah. Then you find out, like, oh, Brody speaks Russian. and. So they figure out like I mean, what the doctor's yeah, I mean, doing. that's always a fun moment where the guy's like, stupid Americans can't speak other languages. Like, oh no, they spoke another language. They know my secret language. <laughs> that obscure tribal dialect Russian. Like, you know, it's like, no, who could be familiar with this language? Uh, I found out Marcus Martel is a good man. Uh, there is a Prometheus burn unnecessarily just worked in there. Yeah. Yeah. We got to have Although that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from Prometheus. And like, oh, I guess I guess that was a disappointing movie. Yeah, that was um, fun to see that in there. I was wondering, I was like, who was who's on the production of this that got burned by that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <And laughs> wants, to, wants to put it in their show. Yeah, it's really specific, but okay. <laughs> like, NCIS, New Orleans, which has no ground to stand on to <laughs> criticize Prometheus, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. NCIS, New Orleans versus, uh, you know, uh, Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he sucks. It's like, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> oh, maybe they're blaming the writers. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? 
Yeah, because I, I can't remember. Because like the people that wrote Prometheus, I was like, they were like off of like the Lost. Lost. Team yeah, it was or David Lindelof and all those guys. I think. Yeah, I think those guys are like kind of like not around anymore because everybody found out they were just <laughs> they're not that they're not as good as we all thought they were. <laughs> Well, they're good for the wind up and the pitch, but however, to fit yeah. the finishing of the story is like, oh, we've never thought of that. <laughs> we just figured the show would stay in production, like with Doctor Who, like for seventy years. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't really have to wrap this up, do we? He's like, yeah, you do. Oh well, it's all the afterlife. It's like, yeah, they did that on Saint Elsewhere in the eighties. <laughs> Nobody liked it then either. So, okay. Anyway, uh, it's yes. I found out that Martell's brother was a, a SEAL, a Navy SEAL, and he died. And like that whole, his whole situation is classified. So that's why he's doing all this stuff. Because apparently was the, Armstrong was smuggling out information uh, that he thought might be about his brother. But apparently it wasn't. It was just a bunch of random tactical information that could be used for nefarious reasons. Not as bad as Snowden, uh, but almost as bad. That was a line from the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Navy guys come in, they bring the FBI, so it all takes on this weird suspicion. Like, why are they doing that? Like, uh, And the FBI, just... which is like the best, one of the best hostage rescue groups in the world, they're portrayed like cowboys and lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> we're going in hard. It's, I'm surprised they didn't say, we're going to use the gas the Russians used at the theater, you know, just <laughs> like, yeah, just be complete maniacs, which they're not in real life, but it's like, okay, yeah. I get it. Again, it, it ramps the, up the the, the, there, the, the Tension. drama of the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, then it probably just like finds out like that he could just open up the file the guy's looking for, and he just brings it in on his phone. It's like here you're free to, and then they just they find out like they're he's working with a team. They're supposed to like catch some Syrian guy, but then the rebels they were working with turned on him for some reason, and and then like his whole team got killed, including him. And then like it wasn't uh, for political reasons. It, wasn't released to the public or whatever yeah yeah Patton so was it, able to decrypt like government military grade descript uh, encryption for for pride to put on his phone because well the, no it's no it's a, somehow pride would have access to it oh yeah that's right yeah information well there's a thing where like he he opens up they make a, a thing a, a to-do about martel he has like a, a, a Wi-Fi spot or something. And then like he, he uses a separate one from the building because like they shut down all the stuff inside the building. Uh, but he's like, I'll get it out. And then he opens the file and it's just gibberish. Yeah. Um, and then he starts to get mad. But then that's when Pride shows up with his phone and like the file that they're looking for. Because apparently like he had enough top secret clearance or whatever to open that file. Yeah. Or I forget which clearance. Yeah, there's three levels of clearance. I forget. Uh forget how they are but the secret silly secret and super silly <laughs> secret because it's weird you do, there are like these evaluations in military where it's like you can we're like you know you do some fbi background and stuff like that it's like now you can read secret files it's like oh, okay cool it's like but there's like deeper searches uh that the fbi does and that's what you get allowed top secret clearance <laughs> yeah yeah, it's like in the end, like the pride and his team were the only reasonable people. They kept the situation from from people. Oh yeah, I forgot there was like this whole moment with Sebastian where he saves Danny because Wade gets her wrist broken or sprained, so he has to do this incision to put a tube in his lung to like drain the the fluid out of his lung. Yeah, um, so they make Sebastian a bit of a hero in this episode instead of the guy that just like brings up pop culture references and 
and conspiracy theories. Yeah, we we have a pretty like uh, heavy Sebastian episode for yeah. for NCIS. The guy who works for the government but just like gets completely suspicious of the government <laughs> openly. Like, you know. Yeah. It's fun. He's he's every American, really. That's his purpose in the <laughs> cast cuz he's always into science fiction and fantasy worlds and cuz when he was like cutting open the guy to get the chip out he's like yeah as much as I, I as much as i have fantasies about being a hero this i'm not han solo i don't have a lightsaber and this isn't a tauntaun it's all these references he makes yeah, yeah. it's like oh yeah this guy's just like every american at this point <laughs> it's like i live in a fantasy world but everything's a conspiracy uh, well, i mean they also ncis has a tradition of their wacky lab techs yeah um, yeah they're yeah, almost the comic that. relief I think it's like Abby and the original NCIS. Like she's like this alternative goth chick who like you know works for this like you know buttoned up uh, police organization. Yeah, but you know she's a lab tech. She doesn't need to be in the field. Like who cares how she looks? Yeah, you don't want some chick with like pasty makeup and on shooting people with like (laughs) skull T-shirts and stuff. It's like you think this agent is maybe wanted to do this. be yeah, fun if they had a storyline yeah. where Sebastian gets into Q <laughs> and that like the pride has to talk him off a ledge. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't do that, but it would have been funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the show ended last year, so yeah. I guess there was room for them to do that if they wanted to. Nah, that, no one thought that was funny. Not when people were being hurt over it. It's like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. Well, I thought I saw a thing uh, uh, on Reddit. I'm not even sure if it's real, but are they making a Reno 911 QAnon boat movie? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen okay. that. Okay, we'll check that out now. That might exist. I hope that wasn't just a Photoshop. <laughs> that would have been. That would be really fun. I mean, if I like that kind of humor, so that would be funny. Because I saw Pat and I also retweet it because he's in the movies and he might also be in the show. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um, occasionally and so i don't know if that was just a photoshop or if it's a real thing because it said it was a netflix movie so it's oh. like you know anything can be a netflix movie <laughs> anyways that yeah that was the episode it was fine it kind of like it just ended with like them making sure nobody dies but now like this guy's this guy completely overreacted to the situation and now his life is pretty much over i'm not sure what he's going to jail for but he pro- attempted murder um yeah, publishing hostages publishing you know top secret information i mean that'll get you put up against the wall and shot unless they can bargain with you so unless you're they have a russian agent they want to trade for you (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was kind of a weird dark episode with some like i said it was a it had a lot of the side characters got to play larger parts like we saw a lot more of uh, wade a lot more of sebastian uh doing stuff not so yeah some stuff So it was yeah, because uh, like pretty much like Brody and LaSalle are pretty much just have one scene in this episode yeah. and they're pretty much gone from it. Yeah, that's uh, so it was it was it was interesting to see, but it was also unnecessarily dark and a little unreasonable and unrealistic <laughs> at some point. Yeah, it's yeah. like okay, I'm not sure if they did like a hostage situation. Well, they probably have to done a hostage situation, but nothing that's like where it's the majority of the episode. Yeah, it's yeah, usually they, just a scene. Yeah, they had temporary hostage situations, but not a lot of like you know 24 hour sieges. Yeah. Of the most, you know, dangerous coroner's office in the world. <laughs> it's like backstage at a wrestling venue. 
Dr. Wade's like pulling somebody's intestines out. It's like, you really got to be careful around here. Anything goes and pretty soon. Like a disco dance is breaking out behind him. Like, See, anyone can walk in here. Just got one fat guy with a gun and you know, he's apparently he's blind too. So, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's new Orleans coroner's office. Yeah. They're probably so it's, wild it's places. It's got some extra spice to it. Yeah. It's a spicy show. Uh, so our, our second show, as always, we have The Mentalist. We have season one, episode nineteen, a dozen red roses. A We're dozen. Air day, <laughs> air day, April seventh, two thousand nine, CBS Tuesday. A former state senator is murdered, and the team discovers that he he was producing a movie for his actress wife, that he may have a connection to a drug dealer. Sharonner Boona Heller, written by Andy Bushell, directed by Leslie Linka Gladder. Uh, maybe not the poorest mentalist episode, but I didn't like it that much. The most like police procedural mentalist episode where any detective could have solved this crime. It's like, it, it took, it was, oh, the wife did it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. We needed like <laughs> specialized investigators. I did like the, um, it's, it's, it's cause this is a California centric show or at least it's based yeah. there. And I did like, it's like, oh, why are we investigating this? You know, right in the beginning. Oh, this guy was rich and he was like a former state you know, senator or whatever. I was like, oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, if you got, as long as you got money, we'll put the best people on solving your very simple, <laughs> predictable, the wife did it murder case. <laughs> uh, well, also, those episodes were like, we want to shine the light on the darkness that is LA. Yeah. Um, also make, yeah, make fun of Hollywood and stuff. Like, yeah. Cause while you, being Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> But but it's not meta in any way. It's just you know. No. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't. Probably is, but. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've never worked on a movie set, so I don't know how much of like what inside jokes are going on here, or what what this is saying about the the rest of Hollywood or just America in general. Uh, there's a lot of this stuff, and it, it always kind of falls flat. But it seems to be people from LA like this stuff. Yeah, if, it's, if you know something about... It's like, finally, they're pointing a camera in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I guess if they made an episode in, like, a car plant, like, I would have a lot of, like, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong, that clearly wouldn't happen, you know. I, but, yeah, when they make stuff kind of... I'm just trying... I'm trying to see, like, what are they... What's the commentary here? What are they saying? I really didn't get it in this episode, which is unusual for the I'm, mentalists because usually they do a pretty yeah. good job of their subtext. The only thing I was thinking about, maybe I was missing on, I know like probably around the same time of this, like a big show was Entourage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's maybe some stuff there where this is just like making fun of Entourage in some weird way. But I, it's been a while since I've seen Entourage and I, I watched all of Entourage and I don't know why. And I forget pretty much all of it. Yeah. It's, those are the good shows when you watch them. And like, I, I think, I know I watched it. I saw it with my eyes, but what happened in it? Who are the main characters? Um, you know, the one guy, you know, it's, <laughs> It's like that's good. That's gripping television there. <laughs> and they made a movie and never bothered to watch it. Yeah, never watched one episode. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah, no reason why. Uh, it's not because I'm the smartest guy in the room. It's just I didn't have time. It's like okay. I remember that people kind of described it as a Sex in City, Sex in the City for men. <laughs> uh, like, I guess. Okay. Yeah, men don't need a Sex in the City. <laughs> They've got sex everywhere. I always thought the Sex in the City for for men was the one with David Duchovny. Um, oh, California California Cation, like that. Yeah, that that's like a man's Sex in the City. No, the one that really tried to do that, and I think it was an HBO show as well, was The Secret Lives of Married Men. Never heard of it. Yeah, I had one season. It wasn't that great. So. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, we got Felix Hansen, the guy who uh, took three bullets to the chest. He's the former state senator. We have impersonators that are on the side of Hollywood. They apparently stole the valet ticket from his body because uh, apparently, like, a valet ticket in L.A. is good as gold or something. I don't I – mean, I don't know. That's that's something like it's so L.A. that I have no idea what the f- they're talking about. Um, yeah, because Charlie Chaplin and Marilyn Monroe basically rifled the corpse for some kind of parking pass, like you're saying. And yeah. I was like, huh? But, but no, how how much media have you heard the thing like, do you validate parking? Yeah, it's just this like necessary thing. It's like. I need this to be validated. And they're like, I just have no idea what the hell that. Means. Oh, I've had to do that in Detroit. Um, that's like, like if you have to go someplace for like, say, I don't know, a hearing in a court, <laughs> uh, downtown parking in Detroit's like 25 bucks an hour, unless you want to just park yeah. out somewhere where you're, you're going to come back and find your, you know, you're not even going to find your car. Um, yeah. but if I like was required to go do something like in a court or something, well, when I leave, the clerk would stamp, the receipt they gave me for parking my car and then I wouldn't have to pay 25 bucks because I was summoned there. I didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, so that's what that means for, for me. Like I've done that a few times, but that's, that's a city of, that's a big city. So in, in Los Angeles, I imagine it's like the com- competition for parking spaces and everything is even worse. And yeah, so that's what validate parking means to me in Detroit. I don't know. Basically yeah. means you park inside somewhere that's really expensive because you don't want your car stolen, but but Detroit's not a bad place. No, I'm not saying that. It's just a lot of cars get stolen there. It is the Motor City, after all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's always a, that's something I assumed. It's like you park outside, and but it's always like a thing. Like, do you validate tickets? So it's I mean they grab they grab the ticket from something, but then if it doesn't get validated, you got to pay some price. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, that's basically it. Or or you get a ticket like. Well, I don't know in their case. I mean, I know like here. It's 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 like thieves own parking structures near downtown or whatever, yeah. and then if you have business in downtown, you can get like validated parking, which means you have a pass that says you can always park in that structure and you never pay. It's included in your job, so I think it was something like that. Yeah. But if you but anyone yeah. can park in that structure, it has to be open to the public because it's probably was built at public expense, even though it's privately owned. And then you can park there, but yeah, they're going to charge you 20 bucks an hour to be there or something. It's kind of like long-term parking versus short-term parking at the airport. And you got to remember, don't park in the wrong lot because you'll get a $5,000 bill for parking because it's all, (laughs) they're all just thieves. So yeah, it's all those scams that pop up. I'll tell you an even bigger twist on that. I know people that work in downtown Ann Arbor and a lot of the guy, people that work at law firms and stuff like part of their benefits package was you got, you know, you got to be able to park in the structures as part of that law firm or whatever, and you badge in and badge out and all that. Well, the city, because they built those parking structures, because they don't want people driving cars in Ann Arbor, because, you know, it is, a penguin might get warm or something. You, uh, you, you know, now, like, they took that business, those that right away from people, and they're having to pay, like, 40 bucks a day to park. So uh, people are quitting. Guess what? They're quitting. Not because <laughs> the law firm's them over because the city said you couldn't have those spaces anymore so now these law firms are going to start bailing out of downtown ann arbor because <laughs> that's where all the courts and everything are around here yeah unless you got to go well, to the federal courts those are in detroit but well i saw the fun thing when i was in college i spent like 200 dollars for a semester for parking uh and then you take the bus in but if like i had to like i gotta get to class quicker than this or i didn't want to like wait or if I was taking a test late at night and then like, I didn't want to have to wait for the bus because usually at night there's the, the, the bus routines are slower. Yeah. 
because there's less of them. So there's less um, pickup times. And so uh, you they you have a badge that you can you can get into any like parking structure around the university, but then you're charged yep. <laughs> on an hourly basis for it. So. That's what we pay for Grayson to be able to drive his car over there is two hundred bucks a semester. And it's like, oh great. <laughs> and they you don't even give you a card. You just have to turn in your license plate number because they have these police cars over there that they just have cameras on the roof that point down and they just read all the license plates. And as soon as they find one that's not in there, they give you a $50 ticket. But he only has student green parking. So he can't park in the red lot, the yellow lot, the purple lot, the magenta lot or whatever hell else. So he's got to know where to park. So he still gets to park at the school. But then if he has a class at one of the places, he has to walk a mile. And it's like, oh, okay. This is amazing. Yeah, so and this is how much we like this episode is we're talking about yeah. parking fees. Let me tell you about the parking situation in this country <laughs> and how it relates to the mentalist. Well, I mean, I mean, that's just like all these, all these shows that are based in LA or like, you know, the industries in LA and there's just always something shoehorned in, in every movie. Well, it's not every movie, but it's a lot about, it's about validating parking. It's like, it's something I've never said to anybody. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it's in a lot of things where you know, like somebody comes in to like work a pitch on somebody and then like, you know, just before they leave, they're like, oh, do you validate parking? Because like they left on this anger note, but he wants like, but they have to come back and be like, oh, can you please validate my parking? And they, of course, tell them to go away. <laughs> so. The most famous line of that in a movie is no country for old men. <laughs> Remember when Woody Harrelson is talking about, you know, going down to Mexico and murdering uh, Anton Chigurh? And he's like, yeah. you know, he's telling him like, yeah, I counted the number of floors coming up and this floor doesn't exist. And this guy's like, yeah, so. And he's like, oh, one more thing. Do you validate parking? And he's like, are you trying to make a joke or something? Like the guy just totally <laughs> like, ah, just checking, you know, that's so. <laughs> but that was in Dallas or Detroit and RoboCop, depending on you know, how you view Dallas. Future, future Detroit, <laughs> or present day Dallas. What are we talking about? TV shows, yeah. Uh, yeah, the impersonators like stole the valley ticket. Uh, for some reason, Jane picks up on that they're like lying about it um, because they couldn't find the keys uh, in the guy's pocket. It's like, well, does he have a valet ticket? And they're like, no. And he's like, nobody walks in L.A. And so he finds that immediately suspicious. And because he knows like the. The impersonators don't make a lot of money. Like they have to have stolen the valet ticket. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I guess that wasn't validated parking. I guess that means they were like going to go on to steal the guy's car. Maybe I don't know. It just. It all seemed like a weird reason to have like Charlie Chaplin like you know present the ticket and then run away. You know. It was, yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like it was a whole setup for that. It's that like, feels like an episode where the crew had a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, they're basically told, "Hey, we got some time to fill." The writers were drunk, so we got to pad this episode a little bit. <laughs> uh, we have Hanson. Apparently, he helped do like drug busts on crime, and then his car was full of drugs, uh, so that's immediately suspicious. Uh, we have Frederick Ross is the last person to contact Hanson. He's apparently like a known drug dealer. And I mean and full of drugs too, like yes. like a million oh. dollars worth of drugs. <laughs> and Frederick Ross, he's like, he's a drug dealer, but also he's in like beer commercials. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. They're always making reference to beer commercials that don't exist, but the way they talk about it, I was like, I guess that could probably exist. <laughs> you know, the guy in the toga on the camel and it gets caught in the door. It's like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's about as ridiculous as real 
like talking right. frogs and um, Spuds McKenzie, and then the knights <laughs> that you know, the Miller Light knights. Then Jane goes over to because this guy is married to a uh, Hollywood actress, uh, yeah, Felicia, and apparently she's like trying to get her career back. Jane goes over there and he sees pictures and it basically immediately solves the crimes as he always does. But yeah, he over he over probes about it and then. The daughter seems immediately weird and suspicious. <laughs> Although I guess it's stepdaughter. Uh, stepdaughter, but it's well, it's his, it's the Hanson's real daughter, but it's a stepdaughter to Felicia. Uh, let's uh, get us off topic again. I like uh, I've come up with a theory about Jane and looking at pictures. It's like Grand Admiral Thrawn could outthink anyone if he saw the uh, whatever race he was trying to fight if he studied their art remember he's like oh i instantly know everything about their culture it's like <laughs> jane is like the grand admiral thrawn of pictures it's like i immediately solved the crime by looking at photos uh, yeah i'm sure that reference is going to resonate with everyone but anyway go on well i i only vaguely know of that of him and i've never read the book but i just know i know who he is i know he's i know he's a blue guy who's yep. who's a who's a uh strategist or, or an admiral so i did not know that's what he that's what he did yeah that was always his technique he could outthink people it was like his napoleonic thing but it's because he like studied all, all these races cultures and culture and art and he's like oh i know what they think <laughs> and the Jane can do the same thing looking at, but not art pictures, just static yeah. pictures of people. It's like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah, I was hoping, like, in the episode where he's blind, that they're going to have, like, something where, like, him and Lisbon are, like, he's trying to get Lisbon to describe the picture to him, but he has, like, but he's, like, asking for the most esoteric details that she can't pick up on. <laughs> yeah, tell me what you see in her eyes. It's like, I, eyes? <laughs> what, what do you want? <laughs> Uh, what do you see in her face? Like a nose, a mouth, two no, you know, two ears. Do you see regret? <laughs> I want you no, to tell me what face. tell me what regret smells like. <laughs> and I'm gonna put my hands out and you know, it's like yeah, okay, but it didn't end up happening. It would have been weird. No. I mean, because that's one of the first things we see, like in the very first episode, he basically solves like the first crime, <laughs> like in like like five minutes by just looking at pictures so it's it's a thing he does yeah uh, and i think there's only one time where he's like the the pictures actually like threw him off the scent but i can't even remember what it was yeah i think it was where the, the husband or the at boyfriend was a weirdo artist or something yeah and he like put the pictures up in a weird way and it's like oh i missed it i, I can't remember no details in that folks just go back and listen to the previous episodes and well i, I think that was the episode where he has like the uh the medium like that, that, that yes. the same episode. Yes. But there's also like three other episodes with the artistic boyfriend who's really a scumbag. So. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people with bad boyfriends in this writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> we go to a, a, the film set on the, the movie that they're working on um, because Felicia, like the insurance company, is basically forcing her to go back to set to finish the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so she can't grieve her husband's death. Well, get back to work. <laughs> there is no my husband's dead in Hollywood. <laughs> Gabriel Fanning is the director, but it doesn't really. He's just kind of a misdirect. He's like he has like all the reasons. I guess he really doesn't really have all the reason in the world to kill the guy, but he's also trying to make a comeback in Hollywood. And there's kind of a funny thing where it's like he's directing what's obviously seems to be like a pretty stupid rom com. Yeah, but he's acting like it's the most artistic like Hollywood comeback. Like he's gonna get an Oscar for it, and he's like. Like if I like this is my last chance, or else I'll have to start doing TV. You know, like that was a kind of 
I guess a funny dig on the, my entire series. <laughs> Who wants to be caught dead in television? Yeah, I'd rather suck <laughs> under a bridge than. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have to edit that one out. That's <laughs> yeah. all right. We already said like, you know, three f- it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I really concerned myself, I'd like make like time stamps. Like this is one I swore. It's like, that nah, it doesn't matter. It's more of just like a, a quasi discipline. Like if we were ever asked to do a, uh, some sort of radio thing. <laughs> we do, but like, ah, oh, we don't trust you guys. You can't not swear. Yeah. So. I would fail horribly at that. <laughs> Especially if people got to talking and the booze was flowing. Oh yeah. I'd be like dropping <laughs> F bombs. And <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like almost like switched. Like now people want to do television rather than movies. Like you can get a huge payday doing movies, but like almost none of it is worth doing yeah it's like what superhero do you want to be it's yeah like none <laughs> do you want to be the green flipper in the next marvel movie it's you want to play dr mush marshmallow or um... uh and the interesting movie is like you're taking a huge pay cut with like un untried proven with... talent yeah yeah but like you know it seems like you can make pretty decent money in television nowadays and you can do interesting character stuff. And you can do eight episodes a year instead of 30. Yeah, which means you can do like three different television shows if you want. Yeah. <laughs> like you can do one police procedural and spend like nine months of the year working. Or you can do three Netflix shows and work six months. Yeah. Make about the same money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can you guys kill me off this year? I got another Netflix show I need to star in. Yeah, we're, be, we're, we're doing a franchise about uh, talking trees and uh, and how it helps a detective solve crime because that's what we're doing on Netflix now. And, yeah, and everyone else speaks Swedish but me. But it's not gonna bother. No one's gonna notice. <laughs> we're just gonna do this. <laughs> uh, you know, we're gonna get a bunch of like weird foreigners, and and uh, no one's gonna speak English but me. And it'll work because people just watch it because it's like, yeah, what am I doing? I can stare out into oppressive darkness or I can watch this show, which, by the way, will be lit by candles or something. And you have so many weird procedural shows and cop shows on Netflix. It's amazing. Yeah, there's some weird bit where the Lisbon and Jane show up to question Fanning, the director. But then he's like, they're intercepted by his agent. He's like, you can't bother him. He's like, he's working, you know, he's basically working his process for art. He's like, we're doing a murder investigation. Yeah, I like how the yeah, like the agent likes <laughs> trying to claim some kind of attorney client thing. It's like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> These people are no way going to stop over this nonsense. And by the way, it's like a ten million dollar uh, movie too. It's because the amount of money was raised came up, and it's like, yeah, this. Is... Well, that's how much that the Hanning or Hanson was putting into it. Oh, I thought that was the total investment. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. Part of it, so uh, at least as far as I know. Uh, and I like that they like threaten one. Of the, they threaten the the agent with like, we're, we're gonna have Cho put the squeeze on you, and you wouldn't want that. And so, uh, basically, the guy kind of like quickly takes a fall for some drugs that the director had, even though it's just clear as day. It's like, but anyways, like they they bring the the agent in, and Cho puts the squeeze on him, but he, they just get the next bit of information. Yeah. Um, because nobody knows wrote, the L word in this <laughs> series that's a suspect. It's like, hey, we'd like to talk to you. Lawyer. <laughs> lawyer. Only the hardened criminals do that. Like, anyone can do that. Oh, we'd like to ask you some questions. Oh, you can ask my lawyer. 
that I will. Well, the Brandon kid did ask for a lawyer after he gave him the pertinent information. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, no, the first word out of your mouth is lawyer. <laughs> it's yeah. never like uh, that's one thing I really liked about Better Call Saul is like, yeah, that's that's what you really do. You just like, ah, give me my lawyer. Ah, uh, it's gonna go hard for you if you don't talk to us. Like, it's gonna go really hard for me if I do talk for you. So, <laughs> and then I wrote a question mark. Is is the mom sleeping with Brandon? I kind of thought that was going to happen, but it didn't. Well, because it starts out when he's looking at the picture, James makes this accusation that, like, Felicia likes bad boys. And then there seemed to be a thing with the daughter where she's like, oh, we aren't dating. And it's like, oh, (laughs) are Brandon and Felicia sleeping with with each other? And then, but like, yeah, somewhere Felicia convinces Brandon to uh, kill Hanson because he says that he's hurting her or something. Uh, everyone seems to be real nonchalant about a stolen handgun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a federal crime happening. It's like, ah, oh, we didn't want to report it. <laughs> and then also, yeah, I don't, it's us being the gun police again, they're like the lady says it's like an old army gun, and but I mean it's a 1911, but it's like a it's like a like a black mat one, which that's not. Yeah. That, that's not something the army had. I don't, at least I don't know. I mean, there could be some weird situation where that was one, but there's also probably a thing where it's like, just raid the, just raid the, the, the TV armory. What do we got? <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like an old gun. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just take this 1911 and just put some like doll coat on it. And then Brandon was set up by Felicia because he like enters the house with the handgun and she's immediately ra- waiting to shoot him to death, but he doesn't die. Uh, there's a, there's an incredibly weird and contrived, but I guess it's fun confession scene where they're basically shooting a scene in the movie. Jane has new notes for it. And it's like basically leading up to her confessing to the crime. (laughs) It's, it's super weird. I mean, they're like attempting this meta thing where it's like, yeah, we're shooting this and this is a movie and this is a TV show. And this is a confession. This is real. This is not. And it's like all just, it's all a bunch of, just kind of garbled <laughs> yeah like i said this episode does not it, it's like the glue got weak it didn't yeah. hold together it was basically a p- police procedural anyone could i mean it's, it's like the this is the first time I've, i remember where like oh the cbi is just being led by by boobs that committed these crimes like oh yeah we're just gonna it's gonna be the quirky writing and the weird and atmosphere that carries this episode because the story sucks and but the writing wasn't that good and the people didn't really do anything unique in it so but hey not everyone can be a hit you've got to make like what 150 of these a year or something so (laughs) they they're not all gonna be home runs yeah Uh, i want us to say it was the worst it was just no it was the episode where it's like, you know, they're trying to have fun and then it's not as fun as they want you to think it is. Well, because I'm, I, I disked the rest of the season of The Mentalist this year because it's not available for me to watch regularly. Uh, I just have my notes. But I remember like a lot of times in The Mentalist, I do a lot of like skip back and like, oh, I want to talk about that. I want to remember that. That was interesting. I did not do that in this episode. I even have it here. It's like I did not stop or rewind once. <laughs> Yeah, this is probably the least amount of notes I've ever written for an episode of yeah. The Mentalist. There is a plot there, and we really haven't discussed it, but it's because it's, we don't like it. We'd rather talk about getting our parking validated. <laughs> but, well, I mean, yeah, I think the show was attempting to be this meta-commentary about L.A. and how bad it is, while the show uh, is presumably shot in L.A. in a production in L.A. Yeah. Um, and sometimes... Well, actually, it's a lot of times there's these L.A. productions that kind of just get off their own ass about like 
what LA is and what culture it uh, puts out into the universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, everybody's going to love this because this is where movies are made. Uh, and it's just like all this internal culture stuff that like, like, am I presumed that that exists everywhere in LA or is this, is this, uh, is every LA set just full of drugs and people about to murder each other? It's like, Oh, probably. Yeah. It's like, should we do something about that? No, that's the artistic process. Keep, keep the entertainment coming. We don't care who dies. <laughs> and so for our third show, we have Miami Vice season one, episode 19 home invaders. Yeah. Original date, March 15th, 1985 NBC Friday. The squad is assigned to assist robbery with a string of brutal home invasions. Castillo is concerned the officer in charge, who was uh, Crockett's mentor, is mishandling the investigation and the two clash, leaving Crockett torn between loyalty and a resolved case. Sharon Michael Mann, written by Chuck Adamson, directed by Abel Ferrar. Yeah, I was like, I noticed that immediately. I was like, what? Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm assuming you know more about Abel Ferrar than I do. All I know is he's the guy who directed the original Bad Lieutenant. And something called like the King of New York with Christopher Walken. Those, those are the ones I know. Yeah. Okay. And he uh, also he did also this, does... the Body Snatchers with Arlie Aramie, which was a weird. Oh, okay. That was that was a weirdly effective but not great version of the Body Snatchers, but it was horrifying in a way that was interesting. It's always interesting to see Arlie Aramie and because when he was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he was just the standout character because he was being Arlie Aramie. But it's like, I'm from a family of hillbilly cannibals. We're going to f*** you up, you know? And it's like, that's weird. That's Arlie Ermey. And in, in The Body Snatchers, he was kind of like a drill sergeant guy that's like, oh, yeah, and I'm in charge of the alien invasion. I also know, like, he makes, uh, he makes a lot of, he's been making a lot, he makes a lot of movies currently, but they're all with, they all seem to be like kind of low, but I haven't seen any of them, but, like, there are a lot of them with, like, Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke, and they're just, like, these weird one-offs. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a few of those, too. Um, um king of new york is a great movie and and body snatchers is good but really king of new york is like that's a great movie uh, and he also did a lot of writing and directing on uh michael mann's other series around this time the crime story okay. which was okay, a pretty yeah. good series didn't last very long but it was really expensive is why so yeah, yeah it's so kind of stood out round of interesting directors that worked on miami vice yeah. before they became big time directors yeah immediately i wrote an apple computer yes <laughs> <laughs> and this was a tubsless episode yes uh which i looked it up because I, I i was like wait where's tubs i know they mentioned them at some point and so i guess he got injured on the previous episode so he was like oh okay blessing. or else that was covering up some drug habit he had i don't know yeah, who knows <laughs> both yeah it was an injury it's like what was the injury he did a whole bag of cocaine and his heart got a little out of whack so he's gonna he's gonna lie down in bed for a while and see if that goes away Good luck. It's the 80s. <laughs> uh, we have the doorbell rings and then three armed guys wearing pantyhose on their heads just bust in and rob the place. And it's interesting we- this show is called The Home Invaders. And this is yeah. from 85 because we know the term home invasion robbery now very well. At this time, that was not a term. And the cops never used the term home invasion throughout the episode. It was always the home invader robberies. Uh, and I found out there was a reason for that. This was based on some real stuff that happened in Florida in the 80s oh, where yeah. guys would just come in and force and like just beat people senseless for their jewels or whatever money they had. And, and it was those rich people, so everyone knew about it because that's important. But yeah, the, uh, the kind of violence that these guys projected and stuff, uh, upon learning that after watching the episode, it's like, oh yeah, they got that right. Because it seemed a little over the top. It's like, 
they they show the first home invasion. They're just brutalizing this people, you know, and 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 they don't show it, but it's implied that they hurt their children too. And they put yeah. the lady in a hospital because they hit her with a cattle prod so much her skin was burned all over. And I was like, oh, that's just crazy. That sounds extreme. And then I found out, oh, this is this was all the writers just took from crime reports stuff that was really going on. Uh, well, not constantly, but it was a particularly brutal kind of murder that went on in Florida in the Miami area in the eight in the early eighties. And a cop got killed too in real life because of these guys. Huh. Uh, but they caught him because they were trying to fence the stuff through a people that they had already knew they scared all the fences basically yeah when these guys show up with this stuff give us a call because otherwise we're just going to shut you down and which is kind of what they did in this episode too yeah so this was actually based on real stuff that happened in florida in the 80s yeah well we come back from the uh the title the opening credit sequence and the squad is called in early to the office uh crockett has a hangover from apparently partying with like switek i I think that was a yeah or something because either Switek or Zito is like John Belushi like they can uh, it comes up occasionally like they can absorb an infinite amount of booze and stuff but still be like up the next day like hey what's going on you know it's (laughs) (laughs) there are those kind of freaks that could actually do that (laughs) as opposed to the rest of us that have to pay for our party he's got the body weight and if he just drinks enough water you know he's good yeah just take an aspirin drink a bunch of water you can drink a fifth of vodka in one night. I mean, uh, actually, so yeah, you can do in. that. I know that. But anyway. <laughs> they get called in because Vice is now working with robbery to work the case. Uh, yeah, robbers are stealing stuff and harming people. And then Crockett is friends with like a bunch of people in the robbery division. Including the lieutenant uh, who runs it. Yeah, uh, Malone. John Malone. John yeah. Malone. <laughs> and Castillo dresses down robbery. <laughs> suggesting that they're either lazy or behind the times with their investigation skills. Now, see, I thought where it was going, because they were so incompetently handling this, it's like, oh, these guys are in on it. That's going to be the dark turn. That's what I thought. And didn't end up happening. It was almost, oh, it's just like, oh, they're just incompetent. Well, that's the thing. I I don't really think they come off as incompetent. It's like they seem to be doing their job and have all this information at hand. It's just like they're not putting it together. Well, they're not they're not Castillo, Crockett, and Tubbs competent though. No, they're also not, like what yeah. makes this episode interesting is like the process of investigating, mm-hmm. which in Miami Vice we never bother with. No, it's <laughs> straight to Ferraris and shootouts. It's, yeah, uh, so it's it kind of comes out of nowhere that like suddenly like oh the vice is like they're at the cutting edge of like criminal investigation. Yeah, they're the Navy SEALs of the Miami. <laughs> they're like the tip of the spear of, of the Miami police pyramid, you know? So, yeah, it was kind of silly. And, but. My, and then they don't talk to the other departments and none nope. of the other departments like learn their skills or anything like that. They just come in one day. It's like, Oh, what are you guys doing? Like, like you have like 80 cops and you can't do one investigative report. Yeah, we're the CIA. You're the FBI. For, forget you. you you know, we, we never, you don't learn anything from us, even though we have like headline leading, arrests like earlier this year we stopped guys from bringing stinger missiles into the country they could shoot down commercial aircraft like no they never (laughs) share any of that it's 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 all behind a firewall in the miami vice this uh you know area or building or whatever Uh, yeah but it's a story it's a story Yeah. yeah Uh, yeah, the bugglers do some surveillance to synthesizers and wailing guitars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like a lady in her bikini skating around. <laughs> For, uh, they, no part to the story, just some pervert taking pictures of her. Yeah. 
in addition well, to taking up, pictures of the house. Well, also you end up finding out that like that's not the way they case a place. No. <laughs> no. It was just like, hey, we got this girl that's like hot, got boobs and roller skates and is in a bikini. Like what and she's gonna bend over and pick something up. It's like, yeah, hit that high speed shutter. Click, 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 click. You know. Find out the robbers are Esai Morales, who he's been in tons of yeah, things. Yeah, he's in he's a lot a- of things. Uh, he's, he usually, play, he's like equally a cop and or a gangster. <laughs> I think a lot, I mean, he's been in tons of things. The thing that like I kind of picked up on is he was like one of the dad slash investigators in the Caprica uh, yes. series. Yes. <laughs> he was Adama's uh, father. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I remember him. He, he was like a general in that. What was that terrible show about like world war three in America? The Jericho files or oh, no Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jer- it's Jericho. Jer- Jericho. Yeah. He was one of like the general or whatever for something. And I think that was, it. I don't know. That's why I, re- I yeah. recognize him right away. Is like, Oh yeah, this yeah. guy has been oh, yeah, in everything. He's, he's been in literally hundreds of things. But yeah. yeah. Looks good. Being that this, this thing's like 37 years ago. It's yeah. Like, uh, yeah. David Patrick Kelly, who's most known as the guy who says warriors come out and play. Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for him to say it in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we have Paul Calderon, who's like, I most know him for, he is the guy that replaces Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Yep, yep. <laughs> He's also been in tons of things, but that's what I most know him for. Well, there's also another guy, there's, I, can't, I didn't write down his name, but he's like the sergeant in robbery. Um, oh, Cox? Also been in, yeah, he's Detective Ebersol, right? Yeah, and he, he's been in hundreds of things. You won't notice him here because he's kind of svelte and young, but you most know him when he's as a more fatter, older guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but hundreds of things. Yeah, Eversol I mean, comes up in Miami Vice a few more times, too. So. Okay. Yeah, Cro- and then Crockett's going around putting squeeze on his informants. Mostly because, like, yeah, it's, this isn't just robbery. This is, like, it seems there'd be less urgency to this case if people weren't being harmed. Yeah. Also, see, because we have a scene with the robbers. The home invaders. Down, like, space invaders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they have their, their table of guns and hockey masks and stuff, which makes me think, like, I wonder how much of this like led led to heat. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to be some sort of prototype ideas for heat there, uh, and or LA takedown, which is the exact same story, just yeah. produced as a TV movie. But like it, it seemed to have this thing where there's like there's a guy who uh, is like the the careful guy, where it's like we're not robbing that place. We don't have like the codes to the the door or whatever. And then like you then you have like the unhinged guy, and then you have the the other guy who just kind of could go either way, uh, but it ends up being they're kind of just all unhinged. Like no, because I mean that's like the thing in Heat. Where it's like the, the 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 thing that ruins their case is like the one guy just like commits violence too much. Yeah, <laughs> with with Wainwright or whatever, he just shoots a guy who can't hear him. But here they're just kind of like all just bad people. <laughs> yeah, they all <laughs> to really one degree people. or another like to hurt people. Yeah, yeah, they're they're working a house and then a cop comes up to. Uh, one of the guys, who's just, he pretends to sleep in the car and he just shoots the cop with like a silenced twenty two pistol. Yeah. And then they, how do they track him down? Because they, oh, Castillo talks to the police, uh, the police in Chicago. And yes, they're saying. There's like, some, there's something they, they mentioned about there's an FBI warning, which they put in one of their packets about like other robberies that are kind of like this in New York and Chicago. And they find out like there's always an increase in violence against prostitutes. Yes. When this is going on, so they they work. Uh, oh, what is it? So Gina and or 
Yeah, Gina and the uh, Trudy. Trudy. Yeah, they work the prostitute angle uh, and try to find prostitutes that are rough people up. And then they find the the two girls that yeah, one of them got roughed up by these guys. And you know, it's like these two girls. Yeah, she's like, yeah, we're from Detroit. It's like, really, you sound like you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and it's two white girls too from Detroit. It's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> with with like Brooklyn accents. Um, that's a weird Detroit you're imagining, but okay. And then I, yeah, for, then there's a scene where like it's like in a dark office, but Castillo, Crocky, Crockett, and Robbery are like just going through like all these case files, and then Castillo's just kind of like putting out buzzwords like, you know, like what was their lawn care, and then like they they all end up on it was Hair Emporium where all this. All this commonality begins between all these houses. For the, for a moment there, I thought it was like going to be like racial or some way because it seemed like all the all the houses that they were being robbed are like those seem like Jewish names. Is there anything about that here? I don't know. Gina cases the hair emporium, and then we find out that all the robbers are working at what one of the robbers is working as a valet, and that's where they kind of pick up on like oh who has money and a good car like we should rob that place, and then. There's kind of the clever thing where the, when the guy goes to park the car, he like just has this little device that he can copy the house key with. Yep, and then he pulls out Which the registration they, uh, and gets all the information on it. And... But then they, but then their their mo is to just ring the doorbell and wait for somebody to answer. So it's like, what? Well, we didn't see them use the house key thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it just so. seemed like ah, oh, this is what criminals do. They copy keys. Yeah. Like, even well, though, yeah, even though like they the ring the doorbell thing. and they're like, "Candy Graham for Mongo," yeah, let them in. Sure. <laughs> it's the it's the well, murderers. Well, it's like the fun thing about the ep- this episode is like we get to see the police and actually investigate things and do their job, and we see the criminals like do clever tactics to like do their job. So that's always a fun thing. That's what makes Heat really good. So yeah, because um, there always seem to be like these episodes are usually just kind of one sided things where it's like. You know, the cops are just missing one magical piece of information, and then the 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 uh, criminals are just like blundering dumbasses who just accidentally are are successfully committing all their crimes. Yeah, <laughs> not in this case. They're just good criminals and sadists too. <laughs> I forget like, uh, the the mentals episode. They have one guy in the gurney, and he it's like it's like. He's a sadist. He's like, you mean a sadist? <laughs> yeah, whatever. He likes to hurt people. A sadist. <laughs> <laughs> he also worships Satan. Don't you mean Satan? <laughs> he uses a whatever, pentacle on guy. the floor. Yeah, you know, the bad guy. He's into Satan worship it. Worship and, and sadism. He's a satamite. <laughs> the uh, Trudy drives the working girls to go go. Uh, pick out the valet guy uh, here we, i'm not sure if this is like a cover vehicle or if just trudy drives a beat-up mercury yeah it was a weird like the car was running like intermittently yeah and then also like all the like the uh the, the ceiling stuff on the inside is like ripped up and hanging down <laughs> it's like is this a cover vehicle or is that just trudy's vehicle yeah it was kind of it was a weird scene it was, it was like the contrast between all these rich people in their cars and, and like the poor old cops and their beat up Plymouth Valiant, you know. The, yeah, not everybody gets to be Crockett right? it's like it's driving around in some drug dealer's Ferrari. Hey, those cars though, they had like 400 and some cubic inch engines in them. I mean, back at that time there wasn't a lot of performance options. However, nowadays you could make that car really fast if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, it got three uh, miles to the gallon, but you know. 
Let me pick up on there's a lady in a Corvette that they assume is that they're going to rob. Uh, she is very weird. She's a Jewish stereotype. She, yeah, I've never seen she is, is, is uncomfortable because it seems like she wants to like, ooh, young men, let's have sex with all of them. Like, that's the implication. But, you know, she runs. Well, Castillo, like, holds his badge out. He's like, can we please talk, ma'am? And then she runs away from them. They pull over and she's like, don't rape me. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like, the, my husband's having me murdered. Help! And Castillo's standing there like a brick wall, like, ma'am, you know. <laughs> and then apparently they party with her at the end of the movie. Yeah, they're the just having a party episode. with her. Yeah. After she screws up and the almost the, gets her the, daughter murdered. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Break out the mimosas, boys. <laughs> Nobody died. You only had to shoot four people to death. <laughs> Or three? No, four. Yeah, maybe it's four. Uh, yeah, let's party. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's three because we see three guys in the crew, but in the final scene, there's one guy in the car, and then the other three main guys are in the house. Okay. So like they added another guy in there somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, they're 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 able to track the robbers, cause, uh, and then they track them down to when they switch off to a like a commercial van but then they lose them for some reason and this is supposed to be like like oh robbery screwed up again and it's like that seems like a per like they lose them because they're being careful like yeah. the guy's like don't take the van around the corner we don't want to be suspicious he tells them they move into a car they know what car it is and he gets back and then they just lose them then and, and like this they kind of treat it like it's a point like oh robbery screwed up again it's like I thought they did a fine job. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, just... don't turn down the aisle or the alleyway that these guys are going down because that's a dead giveaway. Like, <laughs> but yeah, then they, yeah, so then Castillo and Crockett are set up in the house, the old lady's house, and they think that they're going to rob, but then they find out, like, that the Corvette is registered to his, her daughter, and so they're going to go for that house. It's kind of fun. Let's be more gun guys again. It's like Crockett has what does he have like strapped to his ankle? Is that like another smaller forty five or something? I no, I uh I think that's like a I think that's like a twenty twenty five caliber. Like um I think it's one of those weird top loader guns where the like the top flips up and you put a magazine in and it claps back down. Like the oh, Beretta okay. Tomcat, like those little or thirty two caliber maybe. I don't know. It's something like that. It looked like huge for a backup gun. Yeah, it did seem a little big. <laughs> yes, and then yeah, then Castillo and Crockett are of course the first ones at the scene that they now know is the scene, and they don't have backup, so they decide to to bust in and take down the robbers. And I wonder if this is or did he do that later? Is Manhunter before this or after this? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Let me look that up. Because I wonder if he was like trying to like redo that scene from the end of Manhunter because they didn't have enough time to do it. <laughs> nice and slow. Manhunter is 1986. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's, this precedes it then. But uh, I heard stuff about that scene where he like jumps through the window and stuff. I heard that they had the reason that scene is kind of weird and <laughs> seems a little underbaked is because uh, they ran out of money and had like literally the night to shoot all of it <laughs> with like half the crew because they ran out of money. Yeah. And then like Michael Mann was trying to experiment with a bunch of stuff where it's like, we're going to put three cameras in and shoot them all at different frame rates and then use edit it all together. It'll make sense. <laughs> it didn't make sense. <sighs> hey, yeah, so yeah, they come, they bust in, they shoot all the guys that scene in the episode. There's this weird celebration in the morning where they're drinking alcohol with a bunch of cops. Uh, and like, and then she's like, isn't there other two young men that's going to show up? And it's 
just like weird implied like what this is gonna be gonna have a gangbang later what's going (laughs) on here this is super stupid yeah character is absolutely unnecessary in this whole thing but whatever uh i guess it was a sense of levity it's like we stopped children being from being harmed like let's have the weird the weird sex addicted lady grandma yeah yeah yeah, this is where like Castillo and Malone show up later on, and and this is where Malone retires, because you know, because like, I don't, like I don't think it like I don't think it necessarily holds weight, but like there's implying that like this whole case was bundled by him, uh, or bungled by him, and so that, you know, if you allow one case to go wrong, how many else has he got? How many else has he got left? And so he retires, and then Crockett's kind of sad about it. Yeah, it seemed like a weird like end of the show like oh, yeah. okay it's this like, guy's just retiring because uh, i yeah i don't think there's enough evidence to say like he's a bad cop i mean like they, they should have just done what you, like what you said it's like well make him in on it because then it's like obvious yeah it's just, it makes more sense than it's like he's just incompetent now he's a burnout you know, like like it's like he kind of has this weird hangdog face but he also has just like bad teeth so it's yeah like, He's like obviously a heavy smoker because his like two front teeth are just completely, uh, which is I don't know if they added that in or whatever. Yeah. Okay. A little research. Crockett's backup gun is the one on his ankle is actually a Smith and Wesson model CS forty five Chief Special forty five automatic. Okay. It's a six shot forty five and an ankle holster. That's why it looks so big because they put the Pacmar grips on it for the show. Don't know anything about the gun. It went out of production pretty quickly, but it's known to look cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it was designed as a backup gun, and it's like, it's a big gun. It's not a, it's a thick gun. Yeah. Well, that's so. what I thought. I was like, that's that's a huge gun for a backup gun. <laughs> yeah. For an ankle holster backup gun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's no one's going to see that coming. Like, hey, what's wrong with your leg? <laughs> it's just shooting at us. Well, if you've liked what you heard, and how couldn't you? You can find us at anchor.fn slash Verhoeven Effect. The way I like to remember us well, Verhoeven is Verho, V-E-R-H-O, and then even at the end. Uh, you can rate our podcast on the platform of your choosing. You can rate us whatever you want, but the only thing that will um, that they listen to is if you give us a five-star rating or however the rating works. Uh, and then if you write a review, just say this podcast gets you through the workday. Uh, uh, we have listener support on anchor.fm. You can with a monthly stipend of ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. Uh, the more support we get, the <laughs> we'll do more episodes faster. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Verhoven Effect, on Facebook Verhoven Effect. Uh, we have another podcast, American Greed Factory. We are on YouTube as American Greed Factory. You can see this episode and those episodes live <laughs> and uncensored. Or unedited, also. Yeah. Um, we have t-shirts at blowthecollar.com slash greedfactory. Uh, and you can find me also at twitch.tv slash greedfactory. Or right now I play, I have a show called Puzzles and Podcasts where I play puzzle games, basically just Tetris, and listen to podcasts. Uh, it's the kind of low effort content everybody can get behind. Uh, so for the Herb Effect, this is Colin. This is Nathan. Goodbye, America.